It is not a badge of honor to say you've worked four or five hundred days in a row. It's not something we should all strive for to be the record holder. And I always tell people that you don't really want the pet sitter who's been working a year and a half with it on day off because they may not even know that subconsciously they feel resentful or they may not know how exhausted they are. A lot of people will say, well, I, I take a vacation every year. If I took all my time off at once, the minute I come back, I'm back in that burnout mode because I know it's another 50 weeks before I'm going to be off again. It's not about the breaks. It's about the day-to-day -day running your business. One vacation year will not solve the problems of the stress of the other 50 weeks. The average week in your business needs to be sustainable mentally. And for me, that means having help on a regular basis. It doesn't for everybody, but your average month, your average week has to be sustainable. That usually comes down to some kind of help. I'm just such a proponent of hiring and I, and I try to get people to just consider it. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lucky Pup Podcast, where we're taking big ideas and weaving them together in a way that makes the big picture relatable and hopefully a little bit inspirational and educational too. You're going to find candid and authentic conversations about the struggles we've encountered as we try to live more full and happy lives. I'm your host, Morgan Weber, and today we have Kim with us from Apron Strings Pet Sitting and Staffing Strings Consulting. Now, Kim has been pet sitting for nearly four decades and has had a pet care business for 33 years. She is a wealth of knowledge for the pet care industry and needless to say, she has some incredible stories of resiliency to have survived in business for this long. We talk candidly about the major disruptions they've faced along the way and how they've continued on. Kim is passionate about helping business owners overcome challenges that prevent them from reaching their desired milestones. And I think you're going to hear that in our conversation today. So with that, here's Kim. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that you have a lot of knowledge to share with everybody because you've had a business officially for 33 years, but you've been pet sitting for even longer than that. And I know that your business has looked a little bit differently over those 33 plus years. So why don't you give folks just a little bit about you for those who maybe don't know who you are? Sure. Um, my name is Kim Otoni Tank. I always mention that because I like people to be able to find me on Facebook and that's my Facebook name. Um, I have a business in the San Francisco Bay Area that I started in 1990 in uh, central Contra Costa County. It's about 30 miles from San Francisco. And I have been running it consistently since then, although seven years ago we moved to Pollock Pines, which is up in the Sierra foothills about two hours away. So I rely on my team very much so that I can be home most of the time. And I do make trips to the Bay Area, but I manage things remotely for the most part. Okay. And you have quite the pet crew at your house too, right? So um, you have a good reason to want to be hanging out at home with all of your amazing pets. So let's see, you've got, you've got cats, you've got a herd of goats. I think that's probably like the most unique pet you have at your house. I do. People ask, well, what do you do with them? Well, the idea was to milk them, but I'm, oh, I, I need to do some training. I'm really lousy at it. And they do eat weeds on the property, which is a really valued service, but basically they're pets. I just wanted to have goats. We start out with two. We have 13. You know, it's like, it's like potato chips. Once you get a couple, it's like, well, that was fun. Right. You know, maybe we should have a couple more. And they just, it, they, they accumulate. 
And we'd have more now, except um, my husband says no more until we get a trailer uh, because we had to evacuate due to a fire in 2021. And I fit 11 goats into a Honda Fit and two of them rode in other cars. And he said, no, we're not doing that again. Uh, I can't imagine why not. We have to get a trailer and maybe a bigger barn. So oh, it's been difficult. We haven't had any babies born here for three years. Because the babies are so much fun. We just end up keeping them all. <laughs> I had about 38 chickens, I think, at the last count. Uh, I had chickens before I moved up here. We had about seven, which were legal in the town we lived in. But now we can have as many as we want. Yeah. And we have three cats and a dog. I think a lot more communities are starting to have chickens be legal for people to keep in their, in their towns. And it is so cool when we can tell our clients like, yeah, we do chickens and like we, we know what we're doing because like we have our team has chickens. We have a client who has a huge flock of chickens like um, she's a commercial um, egg broker, you could say. So she has mm. a flock of 200 chickens, give or take herself. Wow. And then she also collects eggs from other chicken farmers around the area and sells them to local restaurants and things. That's how we got our start. Yeah. Yeah raising chickens was that I had clients that had chickens and I thought this is so much fun yeah this is so cool the eggs and the different colored eggs and all of that so in 2011 we got our first batch of chickens and have been happily eating farm fresh eggs ever since except for occasionally when they've gone on strike for whatever reason but we're overrun with eggs right now so I do sell them to people um you know acquaintances yeah. I don't have uh, the ability to become an egg seller at this point. Those are all the hoops that I need to do that. Yeah. It is kind of a um, a danger of the job is when you're taking care of other people's really cool pets to not say, I want one of these for myself. And just to start like collecting yes. pets because there are so many cool pets. In fact, that's how we got two of our cats because we, we have a passion for orange cat um, and we've had probably seven or eight throughout our marriage. Um, and we were sitting for a couple in Walnut Creek that were moving. And uh, it was a long story. They claimed they couldn't take their cats with them. And Howard had told them, if you ever can't keep them, we'd like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Because we could end up with so many cats. Well, it was Luke and Leon. And they came to live with us in New Year's Day of 2012. Um, unfortunately, Leah recently passed away but we have luke who is 15 who is annoyed by his little brother's <laughs> fish and chip <laughs> but yeah it's a danger um definitely that's how we got into the chickens though i thought this is really cool you can have chicken and it's just started a passion for us definitely there's a thing called chicken math i have a t-shirt that says i only have two chickens but my chickens have some chicken well, so Kim, you were working in a vet clinic before, right? So how did you go from being in a vet clinic to right. being a pet sitter? Well, I was going to community college in my local town to become um, a registered vet tech. And during that time, I started working in an animal hospital and people would come in and looking you know, for a pet sitter, essentially. And I would I met up with a couple of people who were clients of the vet hospital and that kind of started it for me. Um, it's kind of funny, though, even before then, when I was 15, I started showing dogs and, and the breed I showed is an English setter. And I met several breeders who lived in towns that were maybe half an hour to an hour away. And I actually really started as a teenager 
babysitting for them. But the first time I ever took care of pets for someone I didn't know was back when I was 21. And I was working at the animal hospital and I, my first client had 10 whippets. And um, I stayed overnight back then. I, I would do overnights. And I remember Howard and I were engaged and he goes, what do you mean you're going to go sleep out at this house somewhere? And I had to explain to him all about it. But that's kind of how it started. And for years, when we lived in that town, up until I was 28, we moved to Contra Costa County. And at that point, I was leaving the animal hospital where I had been working. And I knew that it was an opportunity to change my life and maybe do, go in a different direction. But I wasn't at the point where I felt comfortable striking out and putting out my shingle to be a pet sitter because back then, okay, just to give you some relevance, I know how old I am. It was 1988. And back then, pet sitting really truly was in its infancy. So I didn't really know how to go about starting an actual service. So I told Howard that I'm just going to work at an animal hospital again, and we're going to you know, think about the pet sitting thing, but we'll put it on the back burner. Well, the same thing happened again. I had people approaching me. One of the hospitals where I worked, there was a receptionist who was overrun with pet sitting jobs. And she said, do you want some clients? And so I immediately got really busy. And that is when I decided, okay, this can be a business. So in 1990, I decided that's it. I'm going for it. I had my first child and I didn't, I wanted to have an income that wasn't dependent on having him in daycare all day. I wanted a job where I could work around Howard's hours. And that's exactly what we did. I quit my job in 1992 when my second son was born. And I have not worked for anybody else since then. He is 30 years old. It just blows me away sometimes. I think so many people, when they start out as a pet sitter, they think, oh my gosh, I've got to go full time right away. And that took you what you said three, four years before you got to a point where you had enough readiness to want to go full time. But you've been in business right. for 30 some years. And so it doesn't mean if you don't go full time right away, you can't be successful because obviously you're still oh, going. But you see right. so many new pet sitters who are so worried because like I've been in business for three months or six months or eight months and I need more clients. You can still do it professionally with it being not the main revenue generator for your income. Absolutely. I was not the type. I mean, there are different schools of thought when you want to do something. It's just jumping in with both feet and making it work because it has to work. And then there's the people who are more cautious and saying, until I see some kind of guarantee that I'm going to make money, I'm not going to quit my other job. And I had a pretty steady income by the time I left my other job. My goal at the time, I was, you know, uh, paying $500 a month for daycare for my son. And so my goal was to bring home that amount that I made at my other job minus $500 because I wasn't going to have to pay that. Now, let me also step back a second and say, during the time, so it was actually between, say, summer of 1990 and late 1992 when I left, during that time I was working my full-time job and doing pet sitting on the side. But I didn't live off the pet sitting. I put that money away because I thought if I get used to living off the two incomes, then it's going to hurt when I go down to one. But if I pretend I was not making the pet sitting income, forcing myself to live on one of the incomes, then when I switched over to the other one, there wouldn't be any financial impact. And I not only made that goal of 
making the same amount minus $500, I exceeded that. And I started making more than I was working at the vet hospital. And I was a lot happier because I, I did want to be home with my son. I had a crazy life getting up early, uh, getting visits done, having to get home before my husband left for work. And then when he would get home, I would be, you know, watching the clock minute by minute to hand over my son so I could go out and relax and go to work in the evening because <laughs> children are great, but they're, they're a lot. Uh, they keep you very, very busy. <laughs> so I was, I was felt like I was burning the candle at both ends all the time, but it was worth it. Uh, at the time, I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, but here I am. They're all grown up now, and I can actually go out and work whenever I want. <laughs> that was really weird at first. <laughs> well, one summer we had, when we had two kids, we had um, paid for a summer program for them to go to. And it was wild because I could go out and work all day, and that's what I did. It was a really busy summer. But I was also six months pregnant with number three, so... I knew that that was going to be a new change as well. I mean, we finally got two of the kids in school. Uh, Tristan, our second one, started kindergarten. And three weeks later, I had my daughter. So I had about a three-week time period where it's like, oh, wow, the kids are at school. And then you started <laughs> over again. <laughs> yes. I thought, what have I done? But uh, yeah, uh, my daughter's amazing. My child I had after that is amazing. Like I said, they all have jobs now, so... We did something right in, in spite of the crazy lives that they had. There was nothing routine about our life with yeah. raising the kids and running a pet center. But like I said, I don't know how I would have done it any other way. It's just what came naturally to us. When, and the hard part about pet sitting it is that it is. It's early mornings. It's lunchtimes. It's middays. It's dinner times. It's bedtimes. And so... It can be a very hard thing to juggle, especially, you know, it can be hard to juggle when you got one kid and now you've got four kids. That's a that's a lot to be balancing. Right. And and each each stage we went through had its changes and um, nothing was ever the same for very long. Like I said, in 1997, we had my daughter. And after that, there we discovered a local um, I was going to say. Sitting, I, it was like a drop-in daycare where I could take her for two or three hours. And that was amazing because then I was able to work more than just when Howard was home. And by then I had an employee who was working regularly as well. So each kind of stage was a little bit different. But when we had number four in 2001, so my oldest was um, almost 11 when he was born. And uh, that is when I, I just kind of thought, help, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So my husband quit his job. <laughs> we just had to make that work. I just couldn't do any more than I was doing at that point. So yeah, well, I think it, well, one the importance of recognizing, you know, hey, there's a lot, there's a lot of things we got to put our arms around here and, and keep control of. Um, but then to now have a household where, like you said, your sole income is based on how the business is mm -hmm. doing. And for those of us who are around, you'll remember nine eleven happened. Not that mm -hmm. many years later, we had a huge recession that happened in 2008 mm -hmm. and then another recession, you know, in 2012. So like there's been a lot of, of ups and downs that have happened. And one of the hard parts I think about the pet sitting business is we are so dependent on the general economy and how our clients are feeling about traveling, being able to afford to have somebody come in to let their dogs out during the day. We really are a, a more luxury service. And so especially when you've got now 
the full income of the household to being dependent on kind of the whims and the feelings of your clientele. Like, was that ever stressful for you? Yes, because <laughs> my husband quit his job in March of 2001. And then six months later was 9-11. And it was devastating. Not, I mean, in so many ways, we were so upset about what had happened, but then the cancellations started coming in. Um, and I mean, we had a few people that were stuck. I had a client that ended up driving all the way from the East Coast home because the flights were canceled. So we had a few trips extended, but most of it was cancellations and people were still afraid. I had new client meetings in September with people who I never got to sit for because they canceled their trips. And I don't know whether they were just afraid to travel for a long time, but they never became clients. And it was just sad what the entire nation was going through. But we were scared because now we're dependent on one income. Unfortunately, things came back um, relatively quickly compared to, say, now with COVID, where it feels like we still are having the repercussions from that three years later. But yeah, there have been many times when we've been very afraid and we just have to forge through it and uh, hope for the best. We have so many things that we aren't in control of, and we just have to keep trying to advertise, keep trying to take care of the clients that we do have, make sure that they remain loyal clients and try to get through these. So yes, it's difficult, but that's business for yourself. And I think you do have to be resilient to be a business owner in the first place. We, we've managed to survive everything the world has thrown at us. So your business has taken different forms. So like you said, your husband Howard has, you know, been a pet sitter. He's had sometimes where he's done a little bit less or he's done other work for the business. Was that like a conscious decision? Like did you guys sit down one day and say, hey, I've got a lot going on here. And he said, oh, I'm like, I can help with this. Or did like, did he always really want to be part of the business? How did that kind of come about? I don't think there was a whole lot of planning at all. <laughs> One day I was like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I can do this with four. And we did have a little chat. He goes, well, maybe I should quit my job. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, um, I don't know if we're ready for that. I said, how about if we set about a, a, a plan to make sure we have a certain amount of savings? And it was a large number I thought of. And uh, two weeks later, he quit his job. <laughs> we didn't have a large amount of savings. And I'm like, well, I guess we're just going to have to make this work. Part of me was thrilled because I really needed his help at home. But the other part of me was scared to death because I thought, wow. The biggest thing is, well, we did put a little bit of thought into it. We had to find health insurance. And we did. And we found it at an amount that we could afford. And uh, that was our biggest fear is that is a big benefit. And I think that is a valid concern for a lot of people. And I think that is one reason they need to, you know, think about, do you really want to be completely self-employed and not dependent on a company to take care of you? So we got that out of the way and we, we made it work. Like I said, shortly after was September 11th, but we, we came back from that. And actually we, we grew quite a bit because with first off, the idea was just for him to help with the kids. But then he was like, well, I'm home all day. I might as well do some marketing. And we started doing a little bit more marketing and the business grew. I think the first year that he stayed home, it grew something like 80% or something like oh that. My it was gosh. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Uh, because I, now I had more time to work. I wasn't limited by his hours anymore or what my employees, because I started off 
not being great at delegating work to employees. By the time Joel, our youngest, was born, I did have someone who wanted to work for me full time. And so things really took off from there because I could be out in the field a lot more. And she was also full time. So we had the ability to take on a lot of work. So we went out and got more work. And then later on, he he started doing visits when Joel was in school. But like I said, in the beginning, he was really just taking care of the kids. And then he started doing the marketing. And then he started answering the phone one day. I mean, we just don't seem to plan anything if you talked. It's like all of a sudden he's returning calls. And I'm like, what are you doing? But that was great. I loved that because when you're out in the field all day, you know, do you really want to come home and then go into your office and get on the phone and talk to people? And in the evenings, you don't get their answering machine unless you actually have to talk to them. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I like talking to my client, but I don't want to be on the phone for like an hour every night. Then uh, he, in 2013, went back to working for someone else and decided to sell life insurance, which he did until 2022. So that was another change. Um, he just really wanted to do it and he was really good at it. But things with the economy and everything, we just decided you know, last year that he would go back to working with me. And I'm really happy about that because now I'm back in that mode of not having to do absolutely all the ad, which is mm -hmm. good. Yeah, I think, you know, again, there's a, a lot of times there's this misconception or preconception that if you're the, the owner of the business, you have to be doing all of the admin work and you've got to like love to do all of that. And I think a lot of us loved pet sitting because we loved being out and about or being active and not being, you know, kind of chained to a desk to answer those emails and, you know, pick up the phone and call people back and all of those things. And so if that's not something you love to do, being able to hand that off to somebody who does like to do it or, you know, Know, who is just you know really good at it that can be really helpful well i'll tell you what i i really do like doing the admin work and i do like doing the pet sitting i don't like doing them on the same day i don't like uh for example i do go to the bay area and do visits and before howard was helping me i was like well that's great but then i got to stop and answer these emails and i really want to pay attention to the pets i don't want to stop and take care of lengthy issues while I'm trying to get the pet care done. And I don't want to always have to take time out in the middle of the visits and stop. You know, it's fine if I don't have too many visits. I go to Panera Bread afterwards and use their Wi-Fi and sit down and do all kinds of stuff. But trying to juggle both of them on the same day for me is hard. So I'm fine working the admin, but I don't want to do it on days that I'm in the field. It's just come to realize that was a big stressor for me. And for quite a few years, I had to do that when he was working at his other job. So I'm, I'm back happy to have that help again. It is important to understand that you can delegate. I mean, we all start off with, well, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm just going to have my little business. I'm not going to hire anybody because nobody can do it as well as I do and, and all that. And then um, one day you wake up and you like, you're happy to hand stuff off because it's all consuming. Pet sitting will eat you alive. If you want to do this all the time and you don't have a backup plan for anyone to help you out, it will. Honestly, I don't think I would have done it this long if I had help. I've had employees and between child number two and number three, I didn't really know how to delegate until after number four came along. I got much better at it. It was a learning process for me, um, but I've learned so much. And that's why I try to help other people with that, because I feel like I can speed up their process rather than having to learn it bit by bit like I did. But I love delegating tasks. Um, it just makes me a much happier person to not have all that weight on my shoulders. So I'm a big proponent of hiring help. And I think admin help is great, too. 
um, we aren't the only people that can answer questions about our business. You can delegate stuff out. Mm-hmm. It really can eat you alive. That's a fantastic way to say it because it's a 24-7, 365 business. And especially if you're doing it on your own, you have to be all of the things to all of the people unless, like you said, unless you're delegating this out um, and you can delegate out, like you can be a solo pet sitter and be delegating out your admin work and your marketing work or, you know, whatever thing it is that you don't enjoy doing. But the ability for more freedom comes from usually hiring a team member or team members usually to work with you. But then again, you know, that also comes with its own set of challenges, because especially if you've got some folks who are full time, you've got to keep their calendars busy. And and again, we don't have control over how much work we have other than how much we're out marketing or and advertising. But, you know, I can't make my clients take a vacation or I can't make my clients want to you know, have us stop over in the midday. Like I can tell them how great our services are, but I don't have control over when my clients book. I have some who will say, hey, are you available this week? And if not, I'm going to pick a different week to be on vacation. Uh But, you know, for the most part, we don't, we, our clients don't check in with us first to make sure that their vacation is properly timed for our services. Absolutely. And you know, what's amazed me over the years is in spite of that, how somewhat consistent it is. Now, no, I mean, it, it's all over the place. But when you think about, okay, we all have our busiest, you know, I'm busy at Thanksgiving, I'm busy at Christmas, I'm busy in July. We're heavily pet sitting and um, we're not in an area where, uh, for example, in the north where they have snowbirds that go to Florida all the time. And so, you know, in January, you're going to be busy. It's, it's not like that here. We have your kind of standard busy times. And it is somewhat predictable. What kind of amazes me sometimes is, I mean, I guess I I have enough clients, but what I'm trying to say is for a business that's completely dependent on travel and we don't have that many dog walks, I'm almost amazed at how consistent it is that I am able to provide that work for my sitters who do a lot. Now, it's always a delicate balance. I have somebody right now who works about 30 hours a week and I can always fill that. And then the other people who have more flexibility, I can do a little bit more, I can do a little bit less. Then we are more flexible with them because if Hannah is overwhelmed, then they're going to have more work. If she's not, they're going to have less. So somehow it always works out. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm amazed that it works as well as it does for such a crazy business because we're totally dependent. You're exactly right. I And I tell my sitters, you know, I can't tell my clients when to go away. What the amount of work I have is dependent on them. So, you know, let's keep doing a great job so that they keep coming back. And what my sitters mostly remark to me is they're surprised at how often they go to the same houses. We have people that are just seem to always be gone. And then we have the ones that we, you know, are once a year in the summer. But I think they're amazed at how well they get to know the pets because they go away all the time. And, uh, and of course, the, the clients we love. But it's uh, it's just a crazy business in that it even works at all sometimes. I have so many clients who say, well, how how early do we need to book with you? And I said, well, it depends. Because at the same time, while it does fairly even out over the course of a month or over the course of a year, we also have some weekends where nobody is traveling. And then the weekend after, it feels like everybody is traveling. And so you know, I tell people, well, it depends on when you want to travel because there are some times where we're booked three months in advance almost for some weekends. And some weekends we have 
last minute availability. And so it's just, it is something where I feel like it's almost a mind game. Like I sat down with a big spreadsheet and I was tracking our revenue for every month over every year that we've been in business. So I was like, there's got to be a pattern here. So I was trying to break it out by quarter. And then I tried to break it out by season, like the winter season and the summer season and the holiday season. Um, and I was like, there's got to be some pattern here. And over 10 years, there was no pattern. Like the pattern was that there was no pattern because every year that busy point shifted and the, the deviations from slow to the busy percentage wise were about the same, but they kind of shifted over the year. And so I was going to drive myself crazy trying to find this pattern that I swore was going to be there and it it didn't show up. This one and, I thought I'd heard it all figured out. It changed. Um, it used yes. to be the last two weeks of August used to be in the 90s was insanely busy because the schools tended to start later back then. Now if they go back at all different times in August. I'm like these poor kids. It's middle of summer and they're already in school again. And I just I, I, I would hate it if I were a kid, but. So August is not the month it used to be, but at the same time, so so like last year it was super slow. And so I was expecting that this year. And I'm like, oh, I was pleasantly surprised. August was pretty good after all. There isn't any rhyme or reason. Or we have these odd weekends. We had the seven. Labor Day was, you know, not spectacular. It's, you know, people are winding down by Labor Day. The kids are back in school for the most part. So it's not a super busy three-day weekend for us, but I think it was like the next weekend after was insane or something. And I guess why you can't figure this out. It's so it is, it is difficult. Like I said, I'm, I'm amazed that staffing works out as well as it does because this business is so unpredictable and I try to have extra people that can, I can call on. Oh, can you do three or four visits? Cause I'll tell you, you know, the way we book things, we just book things. We just book them. And we figure out who's going to do it afterwards because we have people that have work set days and they're they're going to be available. But then we'll every once in a while I'll look at a weekend. I'm going, oh, wow, <laughs> I think I'm going to call in some extra help or I better go down and help myself. I generally don't ever work weekends. Knock on. Uh, I did work this last weekend because I wanted to give one of my sitters the whole weekend off because I am going to the. PSI conference at the end of next week. And I realized uh, I'm going to have all hands on deck here. <laughs> so uh, I'd be, be very nice to my people this week. <laughs> I don't want to be across the country and find out we're shorthanded. <laughs> yes, I also try to do that where when I'm going to be gone for a while, I try hard that when I'm out of town that we just don't take on as many clients because mm-hmm. my own dogs are kind of difficult. I am the difficult client where I have dogs who are <laughs> who are very particular and only certain people can go see my dogs. Uh, well, to clarify, one of my dogs. Only certain people can go see one of my dogs. And uh-huh. uh, I know that when I'm gone, it adds a lot of extra work for my team because they're taking care of my dogs and all of our other clients who happen to be booked. Um, and so same thing. I feel like I have to work extra hard <laughs> and in the week before and the week after. So because I know they're going to be busy while I'm gone. And I know you and I are both passionate about making sure people get time for themselves and we're avoiding burnout. And I sometimes I've had to encourage my employees to remind them that you don't need to pick up every visit that's available. You don't need to you know, be working all the time. And we do need to take some time off and find some breaks. And that can also be hard to balance. My team this year is having fantastic work-life balance, <laughs> which means that 
you know, I have to pick up a little bit more because they're out also enjoying their lives. Um, And I know that it's important because, you know, as humans, we are not meant to be working all of the time and we do need to have some of that time off. But, you know, that adds another challenge to being a business owner with team members. And I know, Kim, you do hiring consulting and, you know, helping people figure out should they have employees? Should they, you know, keep going solo? If they want to hire employees, how should they be going through this? Um, do you have any kind of words of advice for people when they're when they're kind of looking at this struggle and saying, how do I not only provide myself a good quality of life, but how can I help extend that to my team as well? Well, I think there's a number of ways you can set it up, um, the scheduling. And mine, I won't say it's unique. I know other sitters who do it this way. It's kind of contrary to what a lot of people envision when they're going to hire help. But we hire people for specific days. So everyone has automatically at least two days off a week. Um, that uh, The issue with that, I mean, it's a great idea. It's putting it into action means there's going to be more than one sitter on a job. Because I have, for example, um, Hannah works about 30 hours a week. She's Monday through Friday. And she starts around 6 or 7 in the morning. Works till she's done usually around 1 o'clock. Then I have my son who works Friday through Sunday for me. He has another job that he works the other four days of the week. So he's a pretty busy guy and I try to give him time off whenever he needs it. And then I have somebody else that I just brought on. So we're developing our schedule now. And I think we're going to go something like Friday through Tuesday. So it helps me schedule because I can look at the calendar and go, oh, I have Hannah and Trevor that day. Um, or it's the weekend I have Robin that day. So it automatically is built into my system to give them days off and have a predictable schedule. Um, But it is something my clients have to understand that why we do that. And one of the reasons we do that is because if I feel like I'm giving them a predictable schedule and, and I try to mold it to around the amount of hours they want, which of course is tricky with we talked about, um, when we have that predictability, they're they're more likely to stay longer because it fits in with their lives. If they have another job and I know they can only work three days a week for two hours at a time, then that's what I'm going to have them do. And so it's an excellent second job for someone. But what that does is if they're happier and stay longer, then they're a more experienced pet sitter. And that's a benefit to my client. I told them, well, you might have two or three different sitters, but a year later it might be the same two or three sitters because they're still with me because I try to take care of their needs. And I think most people understand that. I I get it that people want consistency and we are not the service for everybody. But the other benefit to that is we hardly ever turn anybody down because I can usually pull on some more people for a particularly busy day. I don't want to turn down somebody because one day is busy and then the rest of the week is not. And we have trouble accommodating that one particular visit on that day. So I will make it work. Um, and so that's kind of how we do things. Now, there's certainly many, many ways to run a pet sitting business and do the scheduling. You can certainly ask your sitters to take on the whole job. I, I mean, I'm in California. We have a lot of regulations. So we have a lot. We're going to overtime after eight hours in a day. Not that I want my sitters to work over eight hours anyway. We also have issues with the seventh day of work in the same week. So for me to promise the same sitter for someone gone in two weeks is just not even, it's not even feasible. So I think my clients understand that. But um, 
there are so many ways to run the scheduling, but taking care of your workers. Yeah. It sounds like you have to, yeah, you have to remind yours because they're so enthusiastic. They want to work all the time. And and that's hard. Like I have actually two right now that I'm going to sit down with this week and tell them, Hey, you, have you thought about taking a vacation? (laughs) Hannah's been with me a year and I think you should take a vacation, Hannah, even though I know I'm going to uh, regret that week she struggled because I'm it's gonna probably put me out there a lot more but um I want her to be happy I I, I love her I love her work ethic she's wonderful and I want to take care of her I want to make sure she gets the time off she needs because we all need it so mm-hmm. much yeah I think especially you know a lot of times people pick up pet sitting as a second job like we talked about or they're they're saving up for something we started pet sitting my husband and I started pet sitting because I had I had a master's degree out of college and my first professional job paid me 12 bucks an hour and this was 2012 oh, and you can't live on 12 bucks an hour and um I was living in Bismarck North Dakota at the time at the height of the oil boom and it was a completely unsustainable way to live because everything was so expensive up there but um we kind of just were looking at the money and looking at you know what we were making and our jobs and how much our bills were and we kind of said well this is not going to work like what else can we do to you know we need to pick up these second jobs so we started pet sitting and it was just a fantastic way to help pay those extra bills how to pay off student loan debt we had this goal of being a consumer debt free and so we started you know chipping away at all these things and it was fantastic to be able to take that money and just throw it directly at that goal and you know we definitely had employees where that's how they've come to us and they said, hey, I have these financial goals that I want to hit. And every time there's an opening and hey, Angus wants visits, last minute visits this weekend. Is anybody available? Oh, I'll take them all. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. but you also worked like four other days this week. You really don't need to be working all weekend too. Oh, no, 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 no. It's okay. I want to take them. So after a while, I started selectively asking people, you know, instead of putting it out to the whole group of who would like to pick up a visit this weekend, I'd start selectively asking people and kind of working my way through the list because they they were a little over enthusiastic for how much they, they wanted to work. But also the quality of our work, I know for me, at least I'll speak for myself, the quality of my work starts to slip when I'm working those kind of marathon busy times. Yeah, I, I, I think we have to we have to watch that even when someone is wanting to take on the work because it, it almost never fails on a really long day. At Towards the end of the day, something will, will go wrong. Not always, but you know, I'm just thinking back to last Friday. I, I often work on, on Fridays because I have a special needs cat and um, long story. But anyway, I took Friday off because it's my grandson's birthday. One of my sitters, she's fairly new, so she had to go through it. She locked herself out of a house. So we're getting to the train museum in Sacramento and I'm uh, getting a call from a number I don't know because she's next door. Her cell phone was locked in the house. Her car keys were locked in the house. And and it, her day had been going so well. This was like stop number <laughs> eight. Started really early. It was, she was just done. And it, and it was another hour uh, that she had to spend dealing with that. And I kind of had to deal. The funniest thing, though, she went next door to a neighbor and the neighbor was so nice. She was saying, I was listening to the other end of the phone conversation and you handled your employees so well. And I'm thinking, I thought I was kind of hard on her because I said, remember, we always have to keep the key with us when we go outside. There's, that's the reason. And um, so I was all worried that I was hard because then I'm apologizing later. Was I too hard on her? Because, I, And this neighbor was like, oh, 
she was impressed with our company. Here, we'd come over because my sitter had locked herself up. She was impressed with how I handled the situation. I got it. I heard back from the client praising us for how professional we were, how we handled this. And I'm like, wow, darn, we lock ourselves out of the house and everyone thinks we're absolutely the greatest. So it was, it was just kind of a funny side story there. Um, but uh, yeah, things do go wrong. And um, and I was feeling that way. I thought, wow, she had a long day. And it's, of course, right at the day. That's uh, when we have a need in the schedule, I do tend to Sometimes I'll throw it out right, you know, to everybody, but usually I'll pick the most likely person I think, you know, could use the work is probably available, who won't mind. And then when they can't, I go to the next person. But fortunately, we don't have to do that a whole lot because usually our schedule seems to work. I, I again, going back to the unpredictability of travelers, I don't know how, but it does. <laughs> I just, I usually have coverage. I love that. And so, you know, Kimmy, you and I have also talked about, so again, this idea of living a, a full life and, you know, like you said, being able to go and spend the day with your grandson and your family to celebrate his birthday and all of these things. Um, has it always been like that in your business or has that also changed over the years where you've given yourself more flexibility or to be able to kind of enjoy your own life more? Definitely in the beginning, I was completely tied down and felt very, very restricted. But I also was raising little babies and your life is kind of crazy anyway. I won't say that you don't go anywhere because we certainly took kids plenty of places. But I was already in this, this, these are my years to raise little kids mode. And I kind of didn't mind it for the first three or four years, but it started to take its toll. And when it began to do that, I realized that's when I needed to hire help. And I started this business in the beginning to do things to our house. We, you know, not to live off of, not to be our sole source of income. It was to do projects around the house and it paid for a lot of things in our first little money pit that we bought. But when I knew it was time to hire help, that's when I realized, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have somebody else trained so that I can take time off. And I remember one of the first things that my employee really came in handy for was my, I had a, uh, a sister who got married in July and it was insanely busy, but he took all of the visits on that day so I could go to the wedding and not have to get up early and do visits before or turn down a bunch of clients. And so that's when I first saw the real value of having some help. And it just grew from there um, because I still have a terrible time saying no to people. I mean, you'd think I, some of us just don't ever learn that. And so I had to get help because I didn't want to turn my clients down. And I wanted to be able to take trips without closing down the business. You know, the, we took vacations in the early nineties, but you know, I, I had to tell people no. And I would, I would, put it on my answering machine. I would mail people notes about my time off and they don't read. They don't read and they don't listen to messages. So I was always having to deal with that disappointment of not being available. So I got much better at delegating and having a quality of life. And, and I owe it to my first full-time sitter who said, well, Kim, why don't you have me do all the visits at least one day a week so you can take a day off. And I was like, wow, I had not even thought about that. <laughs> it was like, I was so immersed in the business, even after at that point, like after 10 years, I still had the feeling that I had to be on duty all the time. I mean, for some of us, it's we just don't learn these things very fast. And 
And from then on, I started taking days off all the time. And, and I realized, wow, you can have a business. You can do what you love, but you don't have to do it every second. And, and, and it was then that I realized that I probably would keep doing this forever, you know, and so far it's, this is my fruiter and it's, it's working out. You know, we've been to Europe a couple of times in the last few years. And honestly, we didn't plan the trips very far in advance. I think I decided to go to Paris a month or a month and a half before we went. And that was because I knew I didn't have to shut down the whole business because six weeks out, you've always got visits, right? So we just went. And my daughter-in-law at the time helped me with admin because of the time difference. We wanted somebody to be able to answer when we were asleep and they were awake. It just got exponentially better after that beginning. Once you get a taste of taking days off, you, you can do it. It's something you won't be quick to give up. And so now I rarely ever work on the weekends. I do have medical appointments in the Bay Area every other Wednesday and Thursday. So I work on those days. And then I usually stay over till Friday. But the other days are pretty much mine. And I want them to be mine all the time. So with your medical appointments, you had a fairly significant catalyst event. And did your opinion on making sure you got that time for yourself change from before you had that diagnosis and after you had that diagnosis? Or were you already kind of working your way to having that better balance, you could say, in life? Well, I would say that by 2013, when I was diagnosed with a rare disease called amyloidosis, I would say at that point, I had a pretty firm handle on the balance of my life. But I'll tell you, that was just a kick in the gut. When I got a diagnosis and I actually, it's, there's no cure for this disease and a lot of people do die from it. And I, because I went on the internet when they told me not to go on the internet. So of course I went right to the internet and was really bleak. And I thought I was going to be dead in two years. So I, that was a shock to my system. And I immediately thought, I don't care about work during this, especially in the beginning, I don't care about work at all. I knew we had to keep the business going, but that'll make you prioritize things really fast. So if anything, it just sort of reinforced all the feelings that I'd been having, even more so, uh, because I immediately cut back on work. Um, I had a lot of medical appointments. I had to just because I was going off to Stanford all the time. So what it is, it's not cancer just because I know this is kind of vague to everyone. It's a blood disorder and it has to be treated. And fortunately, there are far better treatments now uh, than even when I was first diagnosed, because it's been 10 years now. Um, it used to be a death sentence probably 20, 30 years ago. It's no longer the case. Um, I have it in my kidney. Some people have it in their heart. I know a lot of people that have had a heart transplant due to having this disease. But fortunately, I got treatment right away at Stanford. They have an excellent amyloid center. Um, but it did involve going on chemo for about six months. And the following year, I had a stem cell transplant, which is uh, equivalent to a bone marrow transplant. So I was in the hospital for about three weeks at, over at Stanford. So that was something that had to be worked around, obviously. I had to go to the doctor all the time. I think I was going twice a week for a while. And uh, it made me appreciate the fact that I was self-employed. I mean, if anything, I realized how much better my life has been because I am self-employed, because I would have made the worst employee. And I had the freedom to decide if I wanted to work and when I would work so that I could work around my appointments. And I was gone for a month from my house because after they let me out, I had to live uh, close by and they had to monitor me for a while. Because what had 
does as a stem cell transplant, it destroys your immune system. You don't have one anymore and it has to be built back up. So um, that was the time when it, I won't say it woke me up to anything. I, like I said, I had a good balance prior to that, but boy, did that demonstrate that I could be out of the business completely and it survived. I think we had one client complain about something that month that I was gone. Um, and it was the only time in the last 33 years where I absolutely had nothing to do with the business. I tell people it was the best vacation I ever had. <laughs> Even though I lost my hair and all that stuff, it was like, I didn't have to do anything. They did absolutely everything. And I completely stepped away from the business. And it made me feel good that I had done that preparation. Because I will tell you, I hear of a lot of sitters who say, well, you know, when I get sick, I just, I just work. You know, I have the flu. I've done that too. I've gone out throwing up and having to do visits. I, you know, probably all of us have at some point. And they'll just say, well, I'll just work if I'm sick. Okay, yeah, you can do that. But what if you're in the hospital and you can't? They won't let you out to go do a visit. That's when you have to realize that you have to have some kind of a plan. And you can't tell clients, no, once they're already in Europe and you're taking care of their pets and you were to have, God forbid, an accident, you know, what is your plan for that? So that period of time when I was at Stanford just reinforced that I had a plan and it worked. And I, we made it through. That could have been a, a big interruption in our whole business. You know, well, they'd be thinking a lot of people realize that, well, Kim has seriously ill, so we just better find another pet sitter. But it wasn't like that at all. We maintained all of our clients and the business went on. I was on very limited duty. I wasn't supposed to be around a scooping litter for like six months after that or something. I cheated. I did it anyway, but I worked very little. Oh, and another point I wanted to make, too, is um, people think, well, I'm healthy. I'm totally healthy. Well, so was I. You were like running marathons, right? Marathon. I mean, right. when I was diagnosed, the only reason I wasn't actively training for a marathon that month is because I had had plantar fasciitis and I was in a walking, but wasn't running because of my foot injury. So I was very stubborn. And in May, while I had the boot on my foot, I walked a 50K, which is a, a yeah. 31 miles on a cattle ranch. It was an ultra marathon. And I walked it because I couldn't run with a boot on my foot. So the week before my first doctor's appointment, I did the 50K. So I was in pretty good shape. And then I got diagnosed with this rare disease. And everyone's like, where the hell are you walking? But my point is that we all think we're healthy. You have no idea what could be around the corner sometimes. Mm -hmm. Life has its uh, funny little way of surprising. Yes. My point is that just the fact that I had put all this in place, it was there when I needed it, my, my mm -hmm. system. And thank goodness I've been self-employed and have a business that could survive when I was not actually in it. Yeah, yeah. we had a, a similar situation um, as we're talking here three years ago. Um, my husband, we thought he had a kidney stone and turns out he had bladder cancer and, you know, 31 year olds don't get bladder cancer. It's usually people who've been smoking for 60 years or it's like 90 year old men or truckers for some reason. And he has none of those things. And so, you know, his doctors are kind of like, we don't know. And it happened just a few weeks after we had to put our dog down. And it was just a very hard time of year. But it was one of those times where we just kind of looked at each other and said, like, we need a trip right now. <laughs> and it was like the weekend before he was going to have surgery. We just we left for Florida and we just needed to not do anything for a few days. And 
our team was fantastic and they kind of, you know, they said, yep, we got it. You know, we'll, we'll step up, we'll take over these things and help you out. But I went to architecture school and had a professor who called people temporarily able-bodied because all of us at some point or another will not be able-bodied. And like you said, we all think that we're invincible and it is hard to make those plans and to try to figure out, you know, if something terrible happens, can I step away for, you know, any length of time? And it is definitely challenging, um, but it is important because like you said, you don't know what's going to happen. Again, there's so little we have control over in our lives or and in this work. We were, say, artists and we were painting or doing pottery and something happened. We, we don't have to make some pottery that day or someone's order is going to be late. But we've got live beings who need us every day. And yet... In, the, in this business, there are so many people that feel they have to do it all. And, and when you put those two things together, it isn't like, okay, I'm going to take a couple of days off and the dog can just not eat and go outside for two days. This is a business where there, it's absolutely critical to have some kind of a plan in place. If you're not going to hire people, then I urge people to find someone who could I mean, in the very beginning, uh, before I hired anyone, I knew that in a pinch, my husband could go out and do the visits. So there was that. But until I had somebody that actually trained, I always, you know, felt like, wow, it's all on me. And it's kind of scary. And I didn't know what was ahead. I was, that was 20 years later, I had that diagnosis. But like I said, by that time, things were in place. And mm -hmm. it's just critical because we can't just take a couple of days off to recover from something. There, It's 24-7 as far as the responsibility. I think that's just why, you know, a lot of people don't want to hire. But and I and I understand sort of, I guess I've been in it so long, it's hard for me to understand because knowing the peace of mind that my team gets me. And I think people don't realize too that you're going to get to know these people. I mean, they do feel sort of like family in a way. I mean, you know, um, one of my sitters has been with me for four years and, you know, we're we're more than just employer employee. I mean, we joke about stuff. We're friends. It, she brings things into my life. They don't take away. It's not like I'm just paying them a paycheck. They give so much and they bring so much in that it it's a whole other aspect of the business that I think people until they've hired, they don't they don't know. Sure, there's going to be the people that don't last very long, the people that you don't care for very much. But if you are very selective with people you hire, that's going to be in the minority. Really, really. We've had a couple of clients where, you know, I said, hey, I'm going to introduce your dogs to Leah. And Leah's fantastic. I trust Leah. She's she's delightful. Like your dogs are going to love Leah. And they're like, oh, I don't, I don't know, you know, but, but, but you've been walking my dogs forever. And I said, I know, but I promise that Leah's great. And they were very hesitant and it didn't take long for them to now, now they love Leah and they would rather have Leah come walk their dogs and have me come walk their dogs, you know? <laughs> and, um, I think when you're first starting out or you've maybe been solo for a while, that kind of feels impossible to say, oh, but my clients would never accept somebody who wasn't me. And, and I didn't really give my clients much of a choice. <laughs> you know, I just said, okay, cool. We, we got new people. They're going to come see your pets. But we really didn't get pushback. Maybe like one or two people out of 200 and some clients have really been extra hesitant or they needed to meet every single person who'd be coming over. 
once we built up that relationship, they have so much more trust and so much more comfort with our whole team. But it is possible. So even if you're in a position right now where it doesn't feel possible, because again, there's that feeling of like, well, nobody's going to love these pets like I love these pets. And I, I promise you there are people out there who will love those pets and they might love them differently. And that might be a good thing because, you know, not every pet that I have met has loved me. And sometimes we have these, I'd say, friendly rivalries amongst our team where like, there's like a shy cat or a shy dog and one person befriends that pet faster than another person was able to befriend that pet. We're like, what do you mean? Like, I've been seeing you for two years and this person has been seeing you for two weeks and you already like them more than you like me. Like, what is happening here? Um so like you said, they do bring so much and every person on our team has a different personality, has a different skill set. And it, we become just a richer business because of every person who has, who has joined us. Oh, I agree. And I think the greatest compliment is when you can tell maybe they do like your sitter more than you, because yeah. that means you've done a stellar job of finding a team member. So there's, that's great. That just means they love your your whole company even more because, you, you know, of course they love me. But I've had some dogs that just, a couple of dogs that my sister Debbie could charm. I don't know what she did, but they were afraid of me, never afraid of her. And um, it's it's interesting. That's why I say it, that people bring something. Sometimes it's such an asset to have a different person. They will find that they do get used to different people. And also when people say, well, you know, my clients only love me and only trust me. And you know, granted, I, I understand that. But there's those 10,000 other pet sitters across the United States whose clients tell them the same thing. So right there, there's probably, you know, 10,000 people that could do as good a job as you do. Okay, um, let's just put that out there, right? So who's to say that you have to be a business owner for all the clients to love you and think you're the best? There are people out there that don't want to own a business. They just want to show up on the weekends or show up Monday through Friday, go home and not have to deal with all this circus of running a business. And they are willing to work for a paycheck, not make all the money. They do do a good job. They love working with animals, but they don't want to run a business. So those are the people that we're looking for. They're, the clients can fall in love with them just as much as they can fall in love with them. And I think mm -hmm. it's just such a disconnect sometimes. I mean, I think I woke up and realized that one day. And it's always my hope that when people are resistant, they will at least consider that. I know there's people who say, I've managed people before. I don't want to manage people again. Okay. I understand that. It's just that I hate to see when people say, when was your last vacation? And people go, what's a vacation? Or it was six years ago. And I, I, I don't know whether to get mad or to cry because I don't know. I like to travel and I like to sleep in and once in a while and things like that. And I could never go back to the very beginning when it was all completely on me. And that's why... I try to help people because I want to see them get their freedom. It makes me sad. It's fine if people want to be tied down and don't want to travel. It's the people who want it and can't feel like they can't have it. They need help out of that. We can't know something we don't know, or we can't find the answers to something that we don't know what questions to ask. But yeah, I, I hate the part of business ownership that feels like martyrdom and that, you know, we have to kind of martyr ourselves for our clients or we have to martyr ourselves for a paycheck because I have to say yes to it. And I, COVID was very much like that. Or when we have an odd slow month where 
it, we're normally busy, but now we're slow. And sometimes you do have that feeling of, I've got to say yes to everybody because I've got to get some money this month because I got a mortgage to pay or I've got whatever bills to pay. But at the same time, if we're always stuck in that survival mode, we can't actually enjoy the part of life that is fun. And then we're going to be that much closer to burnout and that much closer to giving up on this dream of our business and our passions because we just can't do it anymore. And, and I feel like there's a lot of struggle there because we don't want people to be quitting the thing that they love to do because they haven't had that vacation or they don't feel like they can get that time off or they do get sick and the only option is to close the doors when they really don't want to yet. Um, and a lot of that could be helped if they can offload some things, or like you said, they can hire a team, um, because there are options. And I, I hate when people feel like they don't have options. Right. And it is not a badge of honor to say you've worked four or five hundred days in a row. It's not, we all have the cape. Believe me, I, I, well, I don't think I ever have worked that many days. We always, always had some kind of vacation in, even when I hated saying no, I knew I had to do it sometime because it wasn't fair to my family, but. It's not something we should all strive for to be the record holder. And I always tell people that you don't really want the pet sitter who's been working a year and a half with it a day off because, you know, they're, they may not even know that subconsciously they feel resentful or how they may not know how exhausted they are. And, and another thing is a lot of people will say, well, I, I take a vacation every year. I take two weeks off and I recharge. but I got to tell you, I've always had the feeling that if I took all my time off at once, the minute I come back, I'm, I'm back in that burnout mode because I know it's another 50 weeks before I'm going to be off again. So my suggestion is, I mean, for some people that probably works, but you can't live from vacation to vacation. You have to take the time in between and make that work. For you. It's not about the breaks. It's about the day to day of running your business has to also work for you. One vacation year will not solve the problems of the stress of the other 50 weeks. It's very te temporarily it will if you can wind down long enough. But the day-to-day -day week, average week in your business needs to be sustainable mentally. And for me, that means having help on a regular basis. It doesn't for everybody. But I, I just really feel that your average month, your average week has to be sustainable. So, and for that's usually comes down to some kind of help because if we're always saying no and we're always taking time off, that's great. But then you will be, when you slow, you won't have enough clients to sustain you. So one of the reasons I hired in the first place, I had a mentor back in the early nineties who we were talking about reasons to hire employees. And one of them was you know, to get some days off, time off. One of them was to be able to grow the business, but the third idea was something a little different. It was, it would help you take care of the clients in the busy time so that you don't have to say no to them so that they would maintain being clients for you so that during the slow times, you have a much bigger clientele to draw off of. Let's say that 50% of your clients travel in the summer, but in January, only 10%. Well, maybe that 10% isn't enough to sustain you. So because I was going through that, I knew that in January, we didn't make enough money for us to live on. And in, and in order to have enough clients for us to live on in January would mean we'd be totally overwhelmed in July. Well, having somebody seasonal, part-time, who understands the summer's the busiest time to help you, you could maintain a much larger clientele so that when only 10% of them go away, that 10% is a lot bigger chunk than it okay. used to be. 
and you'll have enough work. You may not have very much work for your sitter, but you will have enough income to pay your mortgage and all of that. So that was really valuable advice because I knew I needed to make a steady income all the time. But if I had part-timers who were willing to make more in the summer and less in the winter, then that would solve a lot of those issues of that up and down. I'm just such a proponent of hiring and I, and I try to get people to just consider it. Yeah, like you said, it's not the perfect answer for everyone, but for a lot of people, it is going to be the thing that helps give them some of that freedom back. Because I don't think any of us started a pet sitting business and said, you know what I'm really excited for? To work every freaking day of the whole year <laughs> and not have time with my family and not walk my own dogs and say no to everything else in my life so I can say yes to my business. Like if that was like if we had to sign a piece of paper and they said, OK, here's your here's your business license. And by the way, sign here. None of us would ever do that. Yet we all at some point or another probably will find ourselves in that type of situation. I think a lot of people think I'm going to I'm going to have days off. There's going to be days people don't need me. Well, I don't know yeah. what critical point that is, but it happens really fast that your calendar, <laughs> you know, it happened right away. It, it just yeah. organic days off don't happen. I mean. And I, I'm going to say it was back in the 90s. There must have been a day we didn't have anybody on the schedule. But the schedule has there's been somebody on the schedule consistently up until COVID. We actually, thanks to the few people who still had us walk their dogs. And the one guy stuck in New York for four months. I actually stayed there a lot when I was in the Bay Area to keep this poor cat company. But that cat was sometimes the only one on the books. But. It finally did happen. We actually did have a day with zero business on the schedule. And we all know why that was, but um, that was the last time we had an organic day off. It was, you know, it took 25 years for and a disaster for it to happen. So they don't do come along once you have, I don't know, 50, 100 clients or whatever it is. Somebody always needs you. I mean, thank goodness now. But if that's what you're counting on for time off, you definitely have to cross out those days and take the time. So like I said, it'll just it's constant. Somehow it's, you know, ingrained on me to be thinking about my business all the time. But because I don't have to do everything all the time everywhere, I am able to relax and enjoy my life. Yeah. The hard part, too, is I don't want people to have to have a catalyst event in their life in order to make time for themselves. So it, I don't want them to have a COVID where their business is completely in the trash to go, oh, you know, I maybe should have been doing this a little bit differently or I just got a diagnosis or somebody I love, you know, just got a diagnosis or when my husband was dealing with his things, you know, I kind of looked at how much I was working and said to myself, do I want this to be our legacy? And is this like what I want to look back on at this time in our lives and just be really glad that I worked this much? No, I don't. <laughs> so I need to make a change. Um, it is possible and um, there are other options out there. So, yeah, it's right. it's it's a hard and we all have to learn that lesson in our own time. You can't convince somebody that this is a really good idea. Everyone needs to kind of come about this their own way. But it is a good idea. We would highly recommend this. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful that I had my team in place before my big thing, because I was able to focus on my treatment and dealing with that instead of, oh my God, what am I going to do with the business? So, I mean, we are all humans. We're all vulnerable to something happening. And that just kind of came out of left field too. So I was really happy that I had things in place because it, like I said, I was able to focus on what was really important. So true. 
Oh, well, Kim, we've covered a lot of history, but you're, you're 30 some years of pets sitting here. I think there's some really good nuggets. I hope that people can take away from this conversation, not just about the hiring, but building that resilience. I think that's a fantastic phrase you used earlier. In order to be in business for 30 some years, you do have to have that resilience. And, you know, it's only like 25% of businesses make it past 15 years. And so to double that, and I'm sure it's a single percentage, a small single percentage who have made it that far. But, you know, for those of us who do want to take our businesses and run with it for the long term, I feel like the things you've talked about today is being flexible, being able to look at your situation and say, OK, something new is coming or something new is here and we're going to shift and, and make this work. And again, just that resiliency to say we should keep going, even when things look really, really bleak. Um, to kind of persist through those have been the messages that you've shared with us today. Yeah, yeah. I just got to keep going. <laughs> you got to keep that tagline of, we have a shirt, make that a shirt. You got to just keep going <laughs> and maybe get some goats and some chickens. You know, that that oh, helps too. <laughs> for the comedic relief that you need. Well, Kim, how can people find you if they want to get in touch about hiring or they've got questions for you? Well, I have an email address specifically for my hiring, which is kim at staffingstrings.com. Um, I'm on Facebook at Kim O'Tony Tank. The middle part is O-T-T-O-N-E. And if anybody wants to set up a time to chat, you, you can find me. Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope that, like I said, people had a little nugget that they can walk away from this conversation from and implement or at least think about. Maybe helping change somebody's perception on some of these topics. Thank you so much, Kim. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening today. You can find show notes, transcripts, and more on our website, luckypuppod.com. Don't forget, review, comment, like, share this conversation with your friends. Then don't forget to reach out. You can find us on Instagram at LuckyPupPod or LuckyPupPodcast on Facebook. Or send us an email, info at LuckyPupPod.com. Until then, don't forget to live a more full and happy life. We'll talk to you soon.